So as we begin today's message, I want to ask you a pretty simple question. How easy do you find it to trust God? Pretty lightweight question to get us started today. How easy do you find it to trust God? Expand that a little bit further. How easy do you find it to trust that God will provide for you? To provide the finances that you need, to put food on the table, to provide you with shelter? How easy do you find it to trust that God is with you even when the world is crumbling and you feel like things are really, really hard? How easy do you find it to trust that God has forgiven you and that God still loves you in those moments where you mess up? How easy do you find it to trust that God is going to fulfil the deepest longings and yearnings that you have in your life? How easy do you find it to trust God with your future and, in fact, with your very life? Today we're going to explore that a little bit more as we dig into the final week of this series that we've been doing over the last five weeks uh, called Final Words, where we've taken the time to dig into the words that Jesus spoke on the cross. So a very quick recap of the words that we have looked at so far. Forgiven. Rescued. Supported. Abandoned. Thirsty. And then on Friday we talked about the word finished. Today the word that we're going to focus on is the word restored. And while it might seem a little bit strange to stay with Jesus on the cross on Easter Sunday, we'll see that there's plenty for us to be able to take into Easter Sunday from what we're going to explore from this final words from Jesus on the cross. So you have your teaching notes inside of your Connect newsletter. You can feel free to grab those so you can jot things down as we go through today's message. And uh, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 23. So if you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to Luke chapter 23. So verse 46 says, Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Before we get to what today is about, it is really, really important for us to rewind back to Friday and to think about what a massive risk Jesus was taking. Jesus' trust in God to say, I entrust my spirit, and what he was really saying was, I entrust the outcome of all of this, I entrust that the completion of this mission that we've been so focused on is actually going to happen, was a very, very significant risk. Because what if he was wrong? What if Jesus dying on the cross was actually the end of the story? What if all that Jesus went through and all of the sacrifice that Jesus made finished with him being placed in the tomb? What if there was actually no resurrection? Now, it's hard for us to do that because we're so familiar with the way that the story plays out. But it's important on Easter weekend to reflect on that reality and to not move too quickly from this startling fact of the reality that this could have all gone in a very different direction. We're also reminded by what Jesus says here, and we've talked about this a few times through this series, that Jesus chooses this path that he's on. And he says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Effectively saying, I place my life in your hands. Other translations talk about Jesus breathing forth or sending forth his spirit. Jesus doesn't just die passively or have his life taken from him. This is a conscious, intentional choice 
that Jesus makes, where he is willing to trust God with the outcome of wherever this goes. We're also reminded here that there is more to us than just our earthly bodies. That Jesus talks about our spirit. We also talk about our soul, which is that part of us that we believe is created to connect to something that's bigger than ourselves. Obviously, for us, we believe that that part of us is designed to connect to God. But there is this part of us that still continues to live on after we move from this life into the next. And so the question is, what happens to Jesus? Is this actually the end? Is this the finish? We'll read through the next few verses. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and he said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus's friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. You can just sense that people are realising, okay, what happens now? What happens next? It's staggering to see the different ways that people are responding. We've got this Roman officer who proclaims that Jesus was innocent, who realises that Jesus didn't deserve to die for what he was accused of, that he was completely innocent. Other translations talk about him being completely righteous, that there was nothing that Jesus did, said or thought that was in any way wrong. And what's most fascinating is that that Roman officer worships God because of this, as he realises the sacrifice that Jesus is willing to make even though he's innocent, he turns his attention to God to say that is staggering and that turns into worship for him. The crowd, we read, go away in deep sorrow. You can sense the amount of grief that they would have been experiencing, recognising what they had been a part of and what they had contributed to and where this has all ended up. And what's most interesting is that Jesus' closest friends, especially the women, don't actually leave, that they wait there. And again, there's this sense of being able to say, is that because they were just in disbelief? How can this possibly have happened? And I don't, like, what are we supposed to do now? Or was there a part of them that had this expectation that there has to be something more? This can't possibly be the end. We then move into Easter Saturday. And again, it's really important for us to stop and think what that must have been like for all of these people who are part of this story. They don't have the sense of hope and the anticipation of joy that we probably all had as we went through yesterday. For them, they're completely lost. What has just happened? Jesus has been laid in a tomb. And most profoundly, to recognise that this is a Sabbath day for them, which is supposed to be a day of rest. So imagine how hard that must have been to just stop activity and to be left alone with your thoughts. What's going to happen now? Is this the end for Jesus? Is this the end for us? Where does this story all go? And Easter Saturday really is this pivot point because there are two very different directions that this story could take. One of those roads is that this is actually the end. That Jesus is laid in a tomb and that's it. That Jesus dies, is buried somewhere, and that effectively becomes a memorial that you can go and visit. Oh, you remember Jesus, and we can go and visit the place where he died. 
And if Jesus dies and stays dead, then he's effectively the same as almost every other teacher who's a part of every other belief system that we have in our world. Someone who may have been a really fantastic teacher, they may have even lived a really, really great life, they may have even done a whole bunch of sacrificial things, but at the end of their life, they died, and that's it. And we look back on them and their life and their teaching, and that's what is held on to. And even if we believe that Jesus' death takes the sacrifice for all of the times that we mess up, for all of the selfish things that we do, all of the selfish thoughts that we have, everything that we define as sin, even if we agree that that's what happened on Good Friday in Jesus' death on the cross, but that's the end of the story, there's still something missing. Because we have to wrestle with, kind of, okay, well, what happens now? And if you've ever experienced an argument with anyone that you're close to, you know there's this kind of awkward silence when that's resolved. You get to a point where you kind of sort things out, you talk it through, work out what the conflict was all about, and then at the end of that, there's kind of this moment of, okay, so now what? It's been sorted out, but do things just kind of go back to the way that they were? If Jesus just dies on the cross as a sacrifice for us and that's it, then we're kind of left that way in our relationship with God. Well, I guess that that means that things are okay, I suppose. What we know happened as a part of Jesus' death is this staggering act where the temple curtain is ripped in two. That at the moment when Jesus dies, this curtain that was so important and so profound is torn. Now, just to remind us about what that looks like, the temple in Jerusalem was the sacred place to be able to go to if you were someone who was Jewish, or even if you were someone who just wanted to kind of connect with God. And so if you were a non-Jewish person, a Gentile person, then you could go into part of the temple, but just kind of the outer part of it, where you could go and you could spend some time focusing on God. If you were a Jewish person, then you could go in a little bit closer, and the sense of being able to be closer to where God is. But at the core of the temple was this place called the Holy of Holies. This place where there was an understanding that God's presence dwelt. And it was such a powerful place that the only person who was allowed to go in there was one priest once a year. And that person had to go through a whole bunch of rituals to make sure that they were completely clean. But even having done all of that, there was just this little bit of fear about what's going to happen if you actually encounter God. So much so that that priest, when they went into the Holy of Holies behind the curtain, had to have a rope tied around their ankle just in case something happened. So you could kind of pull them out awkwardly if they died when they were in there because no one else could possibly go in there. So if this person died, well, we've got to get them out some way. So they would literally tie a rope around their leg to be able to pull them out. That's the understanding of the relationship with God, with this curtain that is there in the temple. And what happens when Jesus dies is that that curtain is torn in two. And we understand that this is the biggest symbol of the reality, that this is not the end. Far from it. This is actually a new beginning. This is a new chapter. This is a new start. An opportunity for us to experience complete victory, complete restoration, complete joy, to be able to actually have a relationship with God up close and personal. 
And so this word that we're looking at today is the word restored. And it's such a powerful word because when we think about something being restored, we think about an old car or we think about a piece of furniture or we think about a house that's kind of once was in really great state. It's broken down for whatever reason and then ultimately it gets restored. And the reality is that when something is restored, it's actually even more beautiful than what it was originally. And a part of that is because of all the work and all of the effort and all of the sacrifice and time and love that's poured into restoring that. I've talked before about how one of my dreams was always that I would be able to restore a mini. In fact, earlier in my life, I bought a mini, this terrible mini that was in awful condition, and I was going to buy a second one and I was going to invest all this time in it. I was going to be able to do it up and it was going to be really, really great. I had that car for six months. It broke down constantly. I got sick and tired of it and I sold it. (laughs) The reality is that for me, the amount of energy and effort and time and sacrifice that was required to fix that mini up was a price that I simply wasn't willing to pay. It was just too much. And if I'm honest with myself, I know I'm never, ever going to restore a car because I just don't have that level of patience and sacrifice to be able to do it. God's original plan for us was that we would be able to be a complete whole family, that we'd be able to live in a perfect relationship with God and a perfect relationship with each other. That's what God's original design and God's original plan was. But over and over throughout human history, we have made choices to walk away from that, to walk away from God's best and to choose selfishness instead, to say, what's in it for me? How does this impact me? It's all about me instead of the others-centred love that God wanted us to experience. And every time we make that choice to walk away from God's best, it creates brokenness. It creates this fracturing in God's original design. It creates a sense of separation, which is why it's so powerful that there's this image of the curtain in the temple that we can't actually get close to God. That curtain is symbolic of all of the things that we do that create a barrier between us and this perfect relationship with God that he's always wanted. What we celebrate today is that Jesus' life, death and resurrection remove that barrier once and for all. Restore the relationship that we're able to have with God. Restore that original design to what it was always supposed to be so that that can be our experience, a full relationship with God, a full relationship with each other. And so the question for us to wrestle with as we unpack that today is are we willing to entrust ourselves into God's hands? If all of that is true, if all of that has been done for us, are we willing to entrust ourselves into God's hands. Even in the darkest times, even in the biggest challenges that we go through in our lives, even when it feels like everything is ending, are we willing and able to say, God, I trust you? All of us are confronted with moments in our lives where we have a choice that we have to make to say, at this moment, do I choose to trust God or not? At our Good Friday service, uh, you, many of you were there. We had the opportunity to be able to come forward and to place something in a bowl at the foot of the cross and to be able to declare that that thing in our life was finished. And in some ways that was us saying, God, I trust you with the outcome 
of this. I entrust this thing and the implications of what it means to say this is finished over to you. But for all of us today, we have the opportunity to do the same. To say, are we willing to trust God with a new chapter, with a new start? For some of us, it could be about plans not working out the way that we had hoped that they would. That job that we applied for that we didn't get. That promotion that we hoped that we were going to get that didn't work out. That house that we thought we were going to be able to buy that we weren't able to. That relationship that didn't end the way that, or that ended a different way than what we thought it was going to be. That course that we wanted to get into that didn't happen. The grade we wanted to get on an assignment or an exam that didn't work out. All of those times where things don't work out the way that we hope that they were, that they would, are we able to trust that God is working restoration in those moments? That it is possible for a new chapter to begin? Something as devastating as the death of a loved one, which many of us have experienced. There's a lot of grief and sadness that's attached to that. Do we trust God with the outcome of that? In two ways, do we trust God with that person, to trust that that person has now been fully restored and is now experiencing everything that God always wanted them to be able to experience? In some ways, that's an easier choice for us to be able to make than the challenge for us to be able to say, do we believe that God can do a work of restoration in our lives? That God isn't finished with us yet. That God can start a new chapter in our lives, even without that person here with us. For some of us, it could be about looking back with longing at the way that things were, wishing that things were the way that they were years ago or decades ago or even a few weeks ago. Wishing that our kids were a certain age again, that our relationship with our spouse was the way that it once was, that our relationship with our extended family or with some close friends was the same as it used to be. Wishing that we were at a point in our life, a season in our life where things seem to be so much better than they are now. Can even happen in terms of our experience of church. Wishing that things were the way that they were when we were back in that church or wishing that things were the way that they used to be in terms of what our church experience was. Do we believe that God is able to do a work of restoration even in that and to be able to start a new chapter? For some of us, it could be about looking back with a sense of regret, that moment in my life where something happened to me and I wish that it didn't happen. Or where I made that choice and I wish that I'd made a different decision. Or I wish that I hadn't done that thing that happened that seemed to take my life off to the side. Looking back with regret. Are we able to believe that God can do a work of restoration even in those moments and to start a new chapter in our lives? And even potentially in our relationship with God. Sometimes we have these expectations that God is going to do this really big and amazing thing. It could be that we went away on a camp or we went away on a personal retreat, that we spent significant time praying about something. It could be that you have spent significant amounts of hours over the last number of weeks reading through Luke as a part of our reading plan and you got to the end of that yesterday and were like, is that kind of it? I thought there would be more out of all of this reading that I've done. 
could be that we significantly prayed about something and expected that God was going to do something which he didn't do. Are we able to trust that God can restore that? That a new chapter can still begin in our relationship with him? Today is a day where we get to celebrate that none of those things have the final say. Even death itself doesn't get the final say. None of those things are the end of the story. Death has been defeated and restored to a new chapter where we get to experience new life. Sin and selfishness have been defeated and now we get to be restored to have this privilege to start a new chapter where we focus on others-centred love. The barriers that we have in our relationship with God have been defeated and torn down. And now we have the opportunity to be able to start a new chapter with a level of intimacy with God that isn't dependent on us getting ourselves right and sacrificing enough, but is purely dependent on Jesus. Everything has been defeated. Restoration is possible in every situation. A new chapter can begin. Now we need to be realistic and we recognise that we also live in the tension of the now and the not yet. That even though those things are true, we don't get to experience it 100% of the time. And the reason for that is because we still live in a broken world where people, including ourselves if we're honest, continue to make choices that are not aligned with God's best. And so we still experience brokenness. We don't get to experience full restoration. We don't always get to start a brand new chapter that works out perfectly. But we do know that there is a time that will come where that will be true, where full restoration will be our experience, where a new chapter will begin that will be our experience for the rest of eternity, our complete lived experience of life the way that God always wanted it to be. So today I want to give us an opportunity to do a little bit of reflecting on what that looks like using this question. What does it look like to entrust myself into God's hands? What does it look like for me to entrust myself into God's hands? And there's a few ways that we might want to unpack this. For some of us, It is about being able to say, it's time for me to allow something to die. It is time for me to let go of that thing that I know I've been holding on to. Let go of that thing from the past. To allow it to finish, to allow it to pass away. For some of us, it is an opportunity for us to be able to come to God and say, I trust you with this. Even though it's really hard, it's time for me to let it go. And I entrust it into your hands. For some of us, it is about recognising that the process of restoration is hard work. Sanding hurts. When you sand something back, it hurts the thing that's being sanded back. And the process of restoration that we go through in our lives can be really, really hard. And in the midst of all the dust and parts lying everywhere and how does this even fit back together, we can wonder where this is all going. So for some of us, we're in the midst of a restoration, but we've lost sight of what the end is. And the opportunity is for us to be able to say, God, help me see what the picture is of what that restored thing is going to be. 
and give me the strength and the perseverance to keep going as I experience this restoration that you're doing in my life. And for some of us, it is about dreaming about a new beginning, dreaming about a new chapter, being able to recognise that there are no endings with God. Everything has the possibility of a fresh start. Today, we have the opportunity to start a new chapter in our lives as we head into the rest of today, the rest of this weekend, the rest of this week, the rest of this year. We have an opportunity to start a new chapter. And for some of us, it's about sitting with God to say, show me the dream of what that new chapter looks like. So I want to give you an opportunity to do some reflecting on that. You can jot down some thoughts. Uh, You can talk to the person next to you. What does it look like for you to be able to entrust yourself into God's hands as we move away from Easter weekend? Take some time to reflect, and then we'll come back and pray and transition to communion. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that today is a day where we get to celebrate. Today is a day where we get to celebrate that death doesn't have the final say, that evil doesn't have the final say. But there's so much more to it than that. Today is a day where we get to celebrate that you are with us 
You're not just a teacher who passed away and we can look back on your teaching and be inspired by the things that you said or even the way that you lived your life. But in this moment, we have the privilege of being able to recognise you are here with us, alive as the risen Jesus. Thank you that that means that in everything that we go through, all of the challenges, all of the good times, that we know that you're right there, that you understand exactly what's going on for us. And because of your experience here on earth, you're able to relate to everything that we go through. Even in those moments where it seems like the darkness is closing in, in those moments where it feels like everything's coming to a close, that we can lean on you and understand the amazing risk that you took to entrust your life into your Father's hands trusting that it wasn't going to be the end, that restoration was possible, that a new chapter could begin. So today I want to pray for us, that you would help us to have that same level of trust in you, our Heavenly Father, to trust that no matter what we're going through at the moment, no matter what we've been through in the last little while, this is not the end. You are able to do a work of restoration in our lives. A new chapter is able to begin. And I pray that as we step away into the rest of this Easter weekend, as we move into this next week, as we move into the rest of this year, that you would give us a sense of excitement about what that new chapter looks like. Help us to be able to see the potential of what it means for us to be able to live as restored people. And thank you again that Jesus, in the midst of all of that, you go with us into all of those things. Thank you for all that you have done for us that we have reflected on and celebrated this weekend. Thanks for all that you mean to us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.